0: from KQED.
1: You're listening to Cued Up, storytelling with heart. I'm Sandhya Dirks. When I think about immigrant detention in California, I think about private prisons. Refugees, asylum seekers, people who've overstayed their visas or entered the country illegally, all in limbo, waiting for their deportation hearing. But the places they wait aren't just private prisons. In the story we're about to hear, I learned it's also counties and cities taking federal money to keep detainees in their jails. Some of these places have come to rely on that income. But is this deal humane? We're traveling past Sacramento, towards the Nevada border, to meet one of those immigrants.
2: An inmate in Yuba County Jail. If you wish to accept this prepaid call...
1: Dial zero now. KQED reporters Lisa Pickoff-White and Julie Small have been looking into what happens to inmates in detention in Yuba County. Hi. Hey. They talked with the California Report magazine host Sasha Koka about their investigation into conditions at the jail.
0: So you guys have been talking with one man held in the Yuba County jail. He was able to
3: call you from inside there, right? Tell me a little bit more about him. We found Rafael through his attorneys. He was born in Mexico and he's undocumented. He and his parents crossed the border when he was just six months old. He grew up in San Francisco and he has two young kids who are US citizens here. We're not using Rafael's real name though, because he doesn't want people to know about his medical condition. He's HIV positive.
2: I have been losing weight. I couldn't I couldn't sleep. I um I wasn't hungry, I was just always just depressed. You know, I didn't want to do anything.
3: He's also been diagnosed with hepatitis C, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. His attorneys told us he was
4: being denied his prescribed medications at the Yuba County Jail.
0: So how did he wind
4: up at the jail? So um, just to back up for a moment, when Rafael was 20, he was arrested for drug possession. Then he was deported to Mexico.
2: It's a uh, scary feeling to not to know that you're going to be sent back to somewhere that... You've never been, you know, like you, you only hear about it. And most of the stuff you hear about is bad, you know.
4: In Mexico, he discovered he was HIV positive. Rafael grew up in San Francisco. He went to school there from kindergarten through high school. So as a San Franciscan, he was unprepared for the stigma of being HIV positive in Mexico. While he was there, he sought medical help, but doctors refused to treat him. He was harassed and
2: threatened. I'm still scared, you know, of people finding out. I don't like people finding out my medical situation.
3: Rafael says something even more traumatic happened to him there. But we agreed not to disclose it.
0: So what did Rafael do next? It sounds like he was afraid to stay in Mexico.
3: Yeah, he was really afraid. He snuck back across the border. If we fast forward to last summer, he's back in the US. And he was convicted of a DUI. He served his time for that crime, but when he was released from a Bay Area jail, immigration officers were waiting for him in the lobby and sent him to a detention facility near Sacramento. But he didn't stay there long.
4: People in deportation proceedings aren't automatically granted an attorney, so Rafael was sending out letters from jail to see if he could get someone to take his case. He hid those letters under his bed because they revealed that he was HIV positive. He explained to us what happened one day when he got back from court.
2: Everybody was looking at me, and I went to my bed and grabbed my stuff, and I saw that my my papers were on top. A couple people, you know, a uh, few guys came up to me and said that, um, that they had found out about me being sick. And uh, they said everybody was really upset at the fact that I was using the shavers, the toilets, you know, everything that I was... Everybody thought that they were going to get, you know, my... Uh, infections through like me sitting down on the toilet and stuff like that. So everybody just decided that I had to go.
4: Raphael was afraid he was going to get assaulted. In jail, there's this emergency button you can press that'll summon the guards. And so Raphael, he pressed it.
2: I just felt scared and then just humiliated. You know, everybody knew, and it's everybody like all my friends that I had in there like it's just from one day to the next, it's just everybody wanted me wanted me out, you know, because I was just to have that disease you know
3: for his safety ice transferred rafael to the yuba county jail
0: Raphael Rafael told you guys he wasn't getting his medicine
4: once he got to Yuba County Jail. Why not? Well, you know, the county wouldn't tell us why. The sheriff has declined to speak to us despite repeated requests. But we do know that after Rafael was transferred, Yuba County didn't have all his medical records. But even once the
3: jail knew he had hepatitis C, they chose not to treat him. Hepatitis C can be life-threatening, especially for people with HIV.
2: I had symptoms, you know. I I was always, like, I still do. I'm always, like, dizzy and stuff like
3: that. We spoke with the attorney who took on Rafael's deportation case, Kelly Wells. She ended up spending a lot of time trying to keep him alive.
5: When there's a hepatitis C, HIV co-infection, that can proceed in a matter of months to liver failure and death. And so obviously we had a lot of concerns and he was exhibiting symptoms at the time, too. He was throwing up. He was um, fatigued. He was having hot flashes. We have no idea as lawyers what that means. All we know is that we need him to see a real doctor. Part
3: of the problem was that Raphael felt like he couldn't discuss his medical conditions with a doctor or nurse because other inmates might overhear.
2: They take you with, in with a bunch of inmates and other inmates are waiting for their appointment. And while, while you're getting to, um, checked by the doctor, or seen by the doctor, everybody can hear clearly what, what you guys are talking about in the next room. You know, you're just like a door away from them.
3: Raphael told us he tried writing notes to the doctor so they wouldn't have to say HIV positive out loud. But then the doctor would read the notes out loud anyway.
0: Wow. So, Lisa, did you find anyone else having problems at the jail?
3: Well, actually, ICE investigated the case of another man at the jail who told us he was denied his epilepsy medications. While arriving at the jail, he had an epileptic seizure. He says he was beaten by a jail guard and then placed in isolation.
4: Yeah, and it's it's not just in the jails. In Southern California, 3 men have died at a private immigration detention facility since March. Mm-hmm.
0: I know you've been reporting for months on California's
4: role in immigration and customs enforcement. What made you zero in on Yuba County? Yeah, we've been looking at this for the last nine months. We requested and analyzed data from the state, local counties, and federal immigration authorities. we were just trying to find out where people are being detained and how much is being spent on that. And while going through that, we couldn't find any
3: other jail in California where half the inmates are people waiting to find out if they'll be deported.
0: Were you guys able to get inside the Yuba County Jail to see what
4: it's like in there? Well, we requested an interview and jail tour many times over the months, but the sheriff refused to speak with us. His office gave us many reasons, including an ongoing lawsuit. So we decided to just show up. I think the first thing I thought Uh when I saw the building was, I can't believe there's 400 people in there.
3: The jail is in the center of Marysville, a gold rush town in the middle of farm country. You know and we've really tried very hard trying to get inside this facility but the closest we'll really get is the visiting room
4: and we were shepherded out of there by a sheriff's deputy
6: oh hello hi sergeant just
7: kind of wondering what you guys are up to yeah we were
3: just uh checking out the lobby we're doing um a story about you
7: Taking pictures inside the control. No, we know so. that's not allowed. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. All
0: right. Thank you. Okay, so you guys tried, but you didn't get into the jail. I'm kind of amazed that half of the people in Yuba County's jail are there because they're immigrant detainees. How does the jail benefit from that kind of arrangement?
3: Money. ICE pays the county five to six million dollars a year to detain immigrants. That's about half their sheriff's budget.
0: How did this happen? I mean, how did a farm county like Yuba get so heavily invested in holding immigrants for ICE?
4: Well, it wasn't really something that they set out to do. It was an arrangement that evolved from a series of natural disasters that dragged down the local economy, starting with a severe flood in 1986.
1: And on February
4: 20th, at about 6 p.m., a levy failed. The towns of Linda
6: and all of hers were flooded. As Searchers, the water- they're very thorough. The divers, they've been tagging each house as they go through it. The divers are going through cars underwater, one by one, reaching in, looking for victims. As much as 10 feet deep, only rooftops were visible. 3,000 homes went underwater, and of
0: those, almost 900 were destroyed. The Peachtree Mall went underwater.
4: When we were in Yuba, we met a guy named Russ Brown. He's a spokesman for the county. He took us to the spot where the levee broke.
8: It's still a community that's uh, highly depressed. We're passing up uh, old Mervins here that closed down and never really reopened. That was years ago.
4: One thing I noticed right away about Russ is that he shows a lot of concern about the people of Yuba County.
3: And he's happy to scramble over a dry riverbed in his dress shirt, slacks, and shoes to where the levee collapsed in 1986.
8: The levee broke and just took off that way and just... uh, went right through communities and wiped out homes. And it's one of those events, especially in a community, where the population all sits in one area and the businesses were really kind of confined to one area. It changes the status of a community overnight.
4: Russ hooked us up with a local business owner and politician who experienced that change.
8: Oh, it's Mary Jane. Hang on. Hey, Mary Jane. I've got a couple of folks from KQED, and they'd love to talk to you just about your perspective on things
3: so we headed to Duke's Diner.
6: I like crispy hash browns.
3: Mary Jane Griego fries up a batch of hash browns with an experienced hand.
6: We uh, make our own biscuits and gravy, so we sell a lot of biscuits and gravy. And of course, Duke's chili, so... Mary
4: Jane's grandparents immigrated from Mexico to work in the fields of the Central Valley. She remembers they hauled her along in a cotton sack. After her parents met, they moved to Yuba County, to create a more steady income for the family, Mary Jane's father, Duke, opened his diner half a century ago. Now it's famous for its chili and large portions. As Duke used to say, if you leave hungry, it's your fault. I would like the Mary Jane special. The Mary Jane special is freshly baked biscuits smothered
3: in hash browns and gravy. If you add two eggs on top, sunny side up,
4: I call that
6: Mary Jane with a boot job. <laughs>
3: Mary Jane was driving by the local mall when the levee broke in 1986.
6: There was a deputy that skidded in the intersection and he says, Lady, the levee broke and here comes the water. And I look over there and this wall of water is coming right towards the mall and towards us.
3: A wall of water engulfed the
4: Peachtree Mall, rising 30 feet high. People escaped to the roof where they were airlifted to safety. Amazingly, only one person died in the 86 flood but the loss of the mall dealt a blow to local commerce they're still trying to overcome. You should see it today. Today, the Peachtree Mall is this hulking carcass of a building just baking in the sun. It's too far gone to renovate and too expensive to remove. So believe it or not, this mall is directly related to why the county is holding immigrants like Raphael. Here's why. Back in 1979, when it first opened, it was the only major mall in the county, and it held all the major stores, plus a movie theater and an awesome arcade.
6: That's where all the kids hung out. Either you were working there or you were at the Orange Julius meeting your friends there or stopping by J.C. Penney's to you know, pick up some clothes for school. It's, it was the place to be at.
4: But after the flood...
6: 57 businesses left and never, not one of them came back. So we really have struggled financially um, to try to make up the revenues where we could.
3: Now, most Yuba County residents spend their money in a neighboring county, Sutter, that makes Mary Jane resentful, mad, angry. Then came another flood, then the Great Recession.
6: You know, it's just like this roller coaster ride that we keep going on. So that's why Yuba County was
4: looking for more money. Yeah, and it's not just extra money, it's money that's not dependent on the local economy. Mary Jane says the jail contract with the federal government provides stability. So wait a minute. This woman who's the grandchild of farm workers from Mexico
3: is OK with the county detaining mostly Mexican immigrants? Well, Mary Jane served 16 years as a county supervisor and she voted to expand the contract.
6: But it's given us some security uh, in regards to like this this um, downturn in the economy. It was through a lot of those savings that the sheriff's department was able to survive you know we cut a lot I mean we cut to the bone and then we cut to the bone marrow after that and then there was nothing left to cut.
0: What did Mary Jane say about people like Raphael not getting their
3: medical care?
6: Well we asked her. I believe that when you're in the jail you're our responsibility and if somebody is not holding up that responsibility then they need to be held accountable. If somebody was not getting their medication, somebody needs to be held accountable.
0: So, Lisa, you guys first found Rafael through the
3: attorneys that are suing the county, right? Yes, they're suing to enforce a decades-old decree mandating that everyone in the jail, whether they're a U.S. citizen or not, gets the care they need. But attorneys say there's only one doctor and not enough medical staff. ICE investigators and a grand jury also found that it can take months for inmates to see a doctor.
4: There are also big concerns about how people with mental illness are treated. Attorney Jennifer Stark helped sue the county. She told us a story about a guy who tried to hang himself in the shower.
7: had taken a sheet and um, attempted to hang himself in the shower. At the time, there were no emergency call buttons, so there was no way for the other prisoners in the cell to contact guards other than screaming at the top of their lungs. They had to do that for several minutes in order to get the attention of the guards to come and provide emergency relief. When they did, the guards didn't have the proper CPR masks to provide first aid. So it took several minutes to provide any assistance. Other prisoners were having to provide the first aid treatment on the person who had attempted suicide just to try to save his life. After that incident, no changes were made. The jail knew about this problem and did nothing. No emergency call buttons were put into the old jail. As a result, a few months later, the very person who had been attempting CPR on his friend attempted to hang himself in the exact same way. So
4: what does the county say about that incident? The county denies the allegations in court documents and says no one has died by suicide at the jail in about 10 years. They
3: also say their guards and medical staff are appropriately trained, that the facility and staff have passed inspections, and to quote the court documents, they balance the legitimate interests of the jail with the rights of inmates. A recent grand jury has been concerned, though, that there's not enough psychiatric care. The facility just has a psychiatrist call in for video conferences, and that's not even private.
2: An inmate in Yuba County Jail. Your call is being connected.
3: We have you back. <laughs>
2: Great, thank you.
0: So let's get back to Rafael. He's the man who's facing deportation that you guys have been talking to from the Yuba County Jail. What about his medical treatment? Did he ever get the
4: medicine he needed for hepatitis C? He told us it was an ordeal. It's just like they don't,
2: they don't, they don't treat you like a human being. You know, they cut you out. They're cold. They're just like, you know what? You don't. You, you just take some time You'll be all right. You, you get out of here, like.
4: He had to repeatedly fill out paper slips asking to see a doctor, and he says they brushed off his concerns.
2: And I always put um, medical requests to see the doctors, and all they do is just give me, like, a just, like, or something. They always tell me, like, you don't have anything. Like, you're OK. You're going to be all right.
3: Kelly, his lawyer, kept fighting with the jail for him to see a specialist.
5: He, he got sick all the time in detention, and he never knew whether it was because of something he ate or because he was dying. And given his conditions, that's a very... Re- Realistic and reasonable fear to have.
3: Raphael says his lawyer's constant phone calls to the jail became a kind of joke among the medical staff.
4: But after being at Yuba County Jail for six months, Raphael finally received his hepatitis C medication. <laughs>
0: Julie, stories like Raphael's have been getting a lot more attention in the state capitol since President Trump got elected.
4: Yeah, uh, Sacramento lawmakers assumed the president would follow through on his threats to deport millions more undocumented people. And since California is home to more immigrants than any other state, lawmakers were ready to fight back.
8: We will not. We legally cannot be intimidated by an administration determined to undermine the fundamental values that make our state and nation great.
4: That was the leader of the state Senate, Kevin DeLeon. He introduced a bill banning local governments from using any resources to arrest or detain people for federal immigration authorities. We met with Senator DeLeon and asked him what he thinks about
3: counties like Yuba that are detaining people for ICE.
8: It begs some ethical questions whether uh, counties should be profiteering,
3: you know, on a very polarizing and polemic issue, which is the issue of immigration.
4: There's another bill moving through the legislature that forces local jails holding immigrants for ICE to provide a higher standard of care. There's a third measure that would prevent counties that are holding people for ICE from getting certain state grants. But these bills don't just impact
3: Yuba. A dozen cities and counties in California have these kinds of contracts. So, how do the Yuba residents you guys talk to, who've been supportive of using
0: their county jail to house immigrants, feel about the state possibly taking money away from the county? People like Mary Jane Grego, who we met earlier.
7: Oh, I'm having Mary Jane, Mary Jane. <laughs> hey, you got
6: yeah. it. You're holy moly, and the omelet.
3: We went back to the diner to talk to Mary Jane. She's pissed.
6: How do you do that? You know, when you're trying to do something really positive and you take away our our funding stream, it's like chopping off our legs.
3: She doesn't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with holding people for the federal government. But as the government has shifted priorities, something has changed in her thinking. She's not about arresting people with no criminal history.
6: If those folks were doing something criminally wrong in, in our community or in our state or whatever, they need to be held accountable but simply because they were working.
3: Mary Jane feels conflicted about that. In fact, she says, talk to a farmer in Yuba County and you're gonna hear that they're struggling to find enough people to work in the fields.
0: And what about Russ, the guy from the county who drove you guys around and took you to the levee?
4: Well, Russ is really worried that losing the extra federal dollars would cripple the county operations. Also, he thinks the sheriff would be forced to cut deputies who patrol the streets.
8: Yuba County is conducting a service and in a political battle, Yuba County could very well see uh, public safety fall off the map.
4: In the meantime, Yuba County has approved a provisional budget. The legislature is going to vote on those bills sometime this fall. If they pass, it's unclear whether Governor Brown will sign them.
0: all this leave Rafael? Is he still in the
3: jail in Yuba County? Not anymore. After being detained for about eight months, Rafael finally got his day in court.
7: This is Immigration Judge Valerie Birch in the San Francisco Immigration Court. Today. The
3: judge found he had a legitimate fear of persecution. Remember, he'd been threatened in Mexico, so she allowed him to stay in the country. He didn't get a green card, but something called withholding of removal. That means that he can live and work here legally, but he can't ever become a citizen. And if Rafael commits a violent crime,
4: he could be deported. After his release, we really wanted to talk to him. So we went by the Dolores Street Community Services in San Francisco. That's the legal clinic where his attorney, Kelly Engel Wells, works.
5: And she's really glad he gets to stay. We want to be the kind of country that looks at, at somebody like him and, you know, and recognizes that he's a good person and he deserves our inclusion and our help. But did you guys ever get to talk to
4: Raphael himself once he got out of jail? We tried speaking to Rafael several times once he got out. We really wanted to meet him in person. But after a lot of texting and emailing, setting up meetings, he never showed. Kelly told us that he has a new home and a new job in the Bay Area. But he really doesn't want to relive everything he's been through. She says
3: he's really torn between wanting to speak out and help other people who are not getting medical care and detention. But he also really wants the privacy that he's lost so many times. When I asked Kelly what he's the most excited about right now, she said it's spending time with his kids and finally getting to see a therapist and a doctor.
1: thanks to reporters Julie Small and Lisa Pickoff-White. They talked to the California Report magazine host Sasha Koka. That story originally aired on the California Report magazine. From editing to producing to mixing, Taiki Hendrix, Victoria Malione, David Weir, Sasha Koka, Susie Racho, and Seal Muller made that piece possible. I'm Sandhya Dirks, and you're listening to Cued Up. Our senior editor is Julia McAvoy. Our executive producers are Holly Kernit and Ethan Lindsay. Thanks for listening.